0: Good morning. good morning. I uh, almost hesitated to interrupt that. That was uh, It's always a good thing. people greeting each other and all that sort of thing. It's a nice thing. Uh, sometimes first things first doesn't mean they're always the most important. Uh, so I'll begin with this thought. If, if any of you young, strong guys uh, have a moment or two after church, I need to take a stove out of the back of my pickup truck over here at the Denver building. So would appreciate that. Again, not the most important. Um, uh, let's see, in, in the, uh, the words of uh, many predecessors, I am not the pastor. <coughs> Dan Martin would love it to know that we still do that, you know? <laughs> I, I happen to be the, the, the pastor's father-in-law, and, and it is to his credit that he's managed to endure that for all these years. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't say it for no reason. It can't be easy. <laughs> um, my name is Dean Senefton, For those of you who don't know me, I've uh, been a member of this church since April, March of April of 1981 when it began. That's a long time. Most of you people weren't here then. A few are, thankfully. Um, what else do you want to tell, talk about today? It's, uh, Before we begin, let's, let's pray. we got to do that. Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, for this good day. We, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this day. We confess, Father, that we are sinners and uh, in need of your grace and mercy and forgiveness. And We pray, Father, that you would forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord God, that you love us. Thank you for Jesus and for the cross. For the resurrection, Father, and your Holy Spirit and your Holy Word and every good thing that comes from you. We ask now, Father, that you take this time, speak to our hearts, pray, Lord God, that I would be out of your way and that these people would hear your voice and not mine. Uh, Ask that uh, we each would grow and understand better, uh, that you would be in control better, and that, uh, that we would come running to you. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I've been uh, reading scripture for probably around 44 years. Before that, I might have read it, but it was like not a, a thing. It was an exercise, cor- sort of. But I've been reading for about 44 years. That does not make me any version of a scholar and, and far from being a public speaker. Uh, hopefully... Uh, God will do the speaking here today. Uh, Earlier uh, scripture was read was Luke 15, 1 through 7. You don't need to go there yet. I'm just reminding you that we read that earlier. And uh, about uh, the lost sheep that uh, was uh, found and people rejoiced. We're going to start by reading not in the New Testament. We're going to go back to 2 Samuel Chapter seven. So take a minute and find that. And if somebody knows what page it is in the in the pew Bibles, they can shout that out. I'll be reading from an NIV uh, Bible, New International Version, uh, this morning, <coughs> as I normally do. And uh, did somebody find that page? I thought I heard a page number. Anyways, uh, Second Samuel chapter seven. Say say again. Okay, 357. He almost shouted. Um, Got to shout for me to hear it. Uh, beginning with uh, chapter 7 of Second Samuel, beginning with uh, verse 8. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. And I have cut off all your enemies before before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning. And we have at the beginning and we have done ever since that since the time i appointed leaders leaders over the, my people israel i will also give you rest from all your enemies the lord declares to you that the lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and your rest and you rest with your fathers i will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul. Whom I, removed, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now, I have to say, some of those promises, I think, are yet to be accomplished. Israel's been in conflict for, I don't know, 10, 12,000 years, something like that. Uh, but we know that this is going to happen for sure. And uh, I'm sure there's also a comparative here that before this, it was a a pretty rough time for Israel. Um, These are interesting words uh, where great promises are made. Uh, God uh, states that through it all, uh, I will be his father and he will be my son. And my love will never be taken away from him. That's amazing. David's got to be impressed. What a great thing just four chapters later, however. I'm not sure exactly what that span of time might be. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we find what may be David's most memorable or infamous sin. Recounted out loud, and, and it's amazing that he survived all of that. Uh, David, Bathsheba, The adultery, the murder of Uriah, who was Bathsheba's husband, sounds like a made-for-TV drama or maybe a sitcom, but it wasn't. It was a, a terrible circumstance, and David knew it. David was well aware of that. If you want to, you can go to Psalms now, chapter 51, Half of the group here probably anticipated that coming. Psalm 51, I'll read it again from the NIV. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Great words. Let me hear, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, take, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, and there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. An amazing moment in David's life there. Amazing, too, that we get to see that. Here's the great King David. You know, not the wisest, because his son Solomon was the wisest, but certainly one of the greatest kings that ever lived at any time in history. He is falling on his face in front of God. He knows what he did. He sent Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, off to the front of the battle to be killed to cover up the fact that he got Bathsheba pregnant. He killed a man, he murdered. And this is a man, this is a man who is described as as a man after God's own heart seems kind of conflicting, doesn't it? Look at your own life. Look at my life. we got a lot of conflicts going on. Every one of us. But what he did was what he needed to do and he knew it. He fell on his face before God and repented. Confessed his sin and repented. Sorrowful. Genuine sorrow. And then He committed his life going forward that after this forgiveness, after you've given me this forgiveness and restored me, then I'm going to teach others so that we can all go forward in a better way than we were. It's a good thing. It uh, uh, reinforces how sincere he was about his faith. It reinforces uh, how sincere we need to be about ours the amazing part of these particular scriptures too is David apparently about a thousand years before Christ understood God's grace God's mercy salvation repentance he knew God from when he the time he was a, a, a shepherd he knew God. And despite his terrible sin, he knew what he needed to do. And he knew he could count on God to forgive him and move forward. Although David sinned, God forgave him and promised that he would never, ever turn away from him as he did there in, in uh, chapter 7. Through it all, God stated. God had stated, I will be his father, and he will be my son, and my love will never be taken from him. Oh, yeah, he says that to us too. That's good news. Let's uh, turn to Luke 15, where we began, only not 1 through 7. I'm going to read 11 through 31. There's a connection here. David was honored by God, favored by God, blessed by God, and a sinner. And he had to repent, understand that he was a sinner, and come back. This is a story that was told, like I say, somewhere around a thousand years later beginning in chapter 11 of verse 15 in Luke. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Uh, Just for clarification, Sarah, and you can share this with Mary and your brother, not happening. So he divided his property between them. Not, a, not long after that, the younger son got, toge- got together all that he had and set off for a distant country where he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything... He really ran up the credit card, didn't he? After he spent, after he spent everything... I lost my place, sorry. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Feeding pigs for a Jewish guy? Not the job of choice. Not the job of choice. It's uh, probably as low as you can get. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Those are practically the same words that David used in Psalm fifty-one. Not identical words, same meaning. You know, he came to his senses. Came coming into his senses, I have a feeling that was like the beginning of repentance. I'm pretty sure that that's the case. But he he says. He says, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Psalm 51, we just read it. Sinned against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Now, this next verse might choke me up because it kills me, it does every time. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Give me just a second here. Think about those words, okay? He was still a long way off, and his father saw him coming. His father was looking for him. He was a long way off. I can picture his dad out there with a pair of binoculars. well, whatever, spotting him a long way off, and then his father ran to him. What did we sing this morning? Oh, I'm running to his arms. Oh, I'm running to his arms. Scripture is such a cool thing, you know. (laughs) His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And there was a moment of repentance. Not apology, because there's no apologizing for some of this stuff, and you know it. But it's repentance. He's, He's turning away from his sin, returning to his father as we turn away from our sins and repent and turn to our father but the father said to his servants quick put the best robe put put the best robe and get the bring the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet bring the fattened calf and kill it let's have a feast and celebrate For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. I'll bet you anything his son was not expecting that kind of a response. He knew what he had to do. He was expecting to go back, repent, uh, hopefully get forgiven and get a job as a servant. That was his plan. Instead, he returned, and they threw him a party—a pretty good party. You now, they didn't—they didn't kill the fattened calf for every occasion. They kept that guy in—in in waiting, and by calf, it was not a really small animal. It was a pretty good-sized animal. A lot of people came to celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Lost and found. Sounds like a box of things filled with one shoe and two socks and a couple gloves and a stocking cap that somebody left on a playground, right? Bunch of junk. Mismatched stuff. Lost and found. Ah. But they're found. They're not lost forever. It's a good thought. All this comes to the time when when the older brother catches wind of what's going on. says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and, and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, was, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. I think he had an attitude problem. What do you think? Here, here was the older son. Had a problem. So his father went out and pleaded with him come on, come on, come on, we're celebrating, your brother's back. But he answered his father said, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends, but when this son of yours, <laughs> do you notice he says that when this son of yours, he didn't say when my brother, kind of a gap in the relationship there. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And what do you think? Older brother? A little self-righteous, maybe? A little proud of himself. I've been a good boy. I have never done any wrong. I am no sinner like him. Well, some sins are more obvious than others, right? Years ago, I had a a guy who liked to uh, get after me back in the days when I smoked cigarettes and give me a hard time about it. And I said, well, I says, I'll tell you what. We can talk about the sins that I have that show if we can talk about the ones that you have that don't. gentleman was smart enough to be quiet, <laughs> walked away, never gave me a hard time after that. wasn't long after that I quit smoking, but it, uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a moment. It was kind of fun, actually. I don't know uh, why I had the presence of mind to do that. But here's the older brother who is filled with self-righteousness and pride and saying, what's up with this? I've been the good guy I have worked for you. No, he didn't say I worked for you. He said he's, I've slaved for you, elevating his own level of effort, by the way, a little more pride. I've slaved for you, and you never gave me a party. I didn't get so much as a goat, and I'll bet you what, goat does not probably taste as good as beef. Said a guy who used to raise goats. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Technically, I think everything that the dad had was also the son's because he already divided up the property. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, he was lost. And he's found. Lost and found. I hope everybody in here this morning has a story about being lost and found. We try not to play up on the lost part, usually. And there's good reason for that. Some of those stories are not worth telling. I have my grandson here today. I'm not going to tell him that story. Not all of it. There's no sense in him understanding that part of my life. But we all have the stories. Lost and found. I'm going to reread the beginning of the chapter here. Now the tax collectors and sinners, and in the, the NIV they got sinners in quotes, and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them, muttering. You know, you can't just imagine, this guy welcomes sinners, and eats with them. Can you get that? This is Jesus they're talking about. (laughs) God the Son, and they're talking bad about him. You know, really. Then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I don't know. I just like the story, okay? You've heard it a thousand times. Everybody could probably quote these scriptures from memory. I just like the story. I like to hear it again. I like to hear it again and again and again. It's a story about me. It's a story about each and more every one of us who have trusted our lives to Jesus Christ. The Bible does not state how the prodigal's life ended. Well, it was a story, right? But we do. Have some of the last words of David. We can know how his heart was near the end of his life. And that's found in 1 Chronicles, 29th chapter, verses 10 to 20. And I'll give you a second, but if I don't see a lot of pages flying, I'm just going to go ahead and start reading. 1 Chronicles 29. I'm going to read verses 10 to 20. By the way, in the beginning of this Bible, it says two things. It says that, that this Bible was given to me uh, Christmas of 1980 by my wife. And, and the NIV was so new at that time, she actually quoted uh, words from Isaiah in the, the King James. And, and then some time after that, I put in here, read often, First Chronicles 29, 10 to 13, So I'm going to read 10 to 20. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, now this is the same David by the way that was like the sinner with Bathsheba and some other stuff along the way and he repented and got his game back together and let God lead him and he ended up doing a lot of good stuff. Hence the very term, the great King David, saying, praise to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. But who am I, and who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? They, they were putting together all the materials for the temple here, and that's kind of the context of this uh, prayer in this moment. Uh, David did not build the temple; uh, Solomon built the temple. But who am I that that who, and who are we, pe- who, and who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. He didn't know Jesus. He knew God really well, but we know Jesus. We got hope. We got a lot more than that. We have promises and everything. O oh Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple, provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen how, seen with joy How willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this this desire in our hearts, um, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees to do everything to build the policial structure for which I have uh, provided, for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, "Praise the Lord, your God." So they all praised the Lord, and the God of their fathers, they bowed low and fell prostrate, prostrate, prostrate before the Lord and the king. Here's a guy who had a pretty sketchy life. At the end of it all, he did a lot of good stuff. Pulled together all these materials for the temple, worked to get that accomplished. And what does he say? I mean, he's a guy, he could take a little pride in that. Look what I did here, you know. What's he saying? Can't give you anything because you gave it to us. Can't really do anything because we got it from you, and now all we're doing is returning it to you. That's a good attitude. And we're all there, every one of us today. What are you going to give to God? You can give him your life. I hope you do. Just remember, he gave it to you in the first place. It's a good thing. David was known to be a man after God's own heart. And apart from his sins, David's life had been one. That brought glory to God. And in the end, he was asking God, and for all the future generations, to be faithful Uh, to that same one true God uh, as God had already promised him years before to be faithful, that God would be faithful to him. And that brings us up to today. That was a big leap in history, wasn't it? A thousand years at a time. That brings us to today. Just like the prodigal son, if you haven't already, Come home to Jesus. Come home to Jesus. And if you have already trusted your life to Jesus, come home to Jesus. You're not that far away. Like the great King David, he will never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. Regardless of our foolish departures, sins, we like to use words like departures or mistakes, sins. Regardless of our foolish departures from Him, He will always love us. He will never fail us. We think we're alone. We're not. This is we're never getting out. We're never getting out of this one, God. I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm I'm in it too deep. I can't crawl out of this one. I'm done. Well, that's not a bad place to be because if you're done, then maybe God can pick you up and start doing what He needs to do. He is running to us. He's running to you, each and everyone here. Arms open wide. Oh, we're running to his arms. Come home to Jesus today. And like with David, with the prodigal son. There's going to be a party, a celebration that we cannot even imagine. That, that wedding feast is being prepared now beyond our understanding within our faith. It's being prepared right now, and there's going to be one great party. And I got to tell you, while no man knows when, I firmly believe that that party is about to begin Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we can never find the right words to thank you for the cross. We'll never find those words, Father, without a better understanding, a better ability than we have in this flesh. But we do thank you for the cross as much as we're able to, as much as we're... Limited by the flesh, we we thank you for the cross, for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, for him paying for our sins so that we can come to you. Thank you for the cross, for the resurrection. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord God, and your Holy Word. Today, Father, today some prodigal out there whether they know you already or, and they've wandered off like the lost sheep or whether they never knew you some prodigal needs to come home. Father, I know you've got the coffee waiting and you're wanting to sit down and talk. Bring them home. Bring them home. Speak to their hearts. Let them know how much you love them that their sins will be forgiven bring them to repentance bring them home make sure that they're at the party Father in Jesus name